Hi everybody, you're listening to the Rock Podcast with Fox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. This podcast is about rope bondage. Rope bondage is edge play with inherent risk, and we strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to episode zero before attempting it. Find it at the top of our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Fox is a rigger and Maya is a bottom. We're rope partners. We've been doing rope together for about four years now. We're very excited to share our passion for rope with you from our beautiful city of Bangkok. Uh, and today's episode is sponsored by Friction Live. Friction Live is an online service that offers king classes, in particular um, focused on rope and things you can do around rope. So that's very good for our listeners. And they teach those classes on Zoom, so you can attend them from the comfort of your own home, either live or if, like us, you're in a bit of an awkward uh, time zone. You can also access recordings of the classes for up to two weeks. So that's really convenient for us, Maya. That's great. And you can find them at frictionlive.ca. So Maya, today we're going to the beach. We are. We're going to talk about rope at the beach. So what and why and how is that? Uh, so for starters, there's different kinds of beaches, right? Okay. So what kind of beaches are there? Well, there are public beaches where people can go and walk around as much as they want. And then there are private beaches where we might have more control over who's allowed to go. Yeah. Um, and also you might have a lot of people on your beach or you might have a beach that's very remote and there's no one there. Uh, and obviously that's going to affect your scene depending on whether or not you have to worry about an audience being there. Yeah. Although what's interesting is we went to a hotel recently and the beach was private and I actually felt less comfortable tying there because the hotel knew who we were. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So they could, uh, they could recognize you. Yeah. Whereas the public beaches that we've tied on, which are not connected to a particular hotel, we go, we've done some rock and we've left again. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. You got more anonymity. Yeah, that's right. So what kind of rope can we do on these beaches? Well, we can do floor rope, in which case I would recommend probably laying down a mat or a towel rather than doing it straight in the sand. I would highly recommend <laughs> several mats or several towels. And even then, we're going to talk about sand management as a whole topic on its own. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we could also do a suspension. Some beaches are very nice trees near the beach and... Depending on what kind of tree it is, I would check if it's well-rooted. I would check if it's not going to snap. I would look at whether or not the tree is alive because dead trees are more fragile than trees that are alive. Yeah, and might be more brittle and prone to snapping, as you say. Yeah, and then if I find a decent tree, I think a suspension by the sea is very lovely. Yeah, or, or a partial um, if you're a bit not quite as comfortable with the uh, tree that you're using. Mm-hmm, definitely. Be careful. We've also been known, Maya, to use um, rocks and cliffs to tie to those. Yeah. Um, I mean, beaches have lots of different, um, what would you call it, vegetation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's cliffs and rocks and different kinds of trees and, um, yeah, lots of different types of... Um, yeah, there's things you can tie to, like the trees and the rocks, and there's things you can also add into your scene in other ways, uh, like bits of floodsam or seashells, like anything that's like clean and safe to touch your partner's skin, you could 
find a way to incorporate in the scene in one way or another. Yeah, and when we did um, on some rocks, you also use some of the jutting rock to tie partials to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we tie with hemp and it's fairly grippy ropes and I could actually get enough friction on the edges of the rock to use them as anchor points. Yeah, yeah. I would not recommend including jellyfish in your scene. No. Uh, and if you're going to do that, make sure to do extensive negotiation first. I would say in general, um, using the, what's a, what's a fish called? Different types of fishes or crabs is not so good. The seafood? <laughs> um, there's also boats. So, oh, um, yeah. Or piers or, or things that are come with the sea and beaches. Hmm. Uh, last time, or one of the recent times rather, we went to an island together with our Thai kinky friends. There was this piece of the boat that was the prow of a fairly large boat, mm. and it was very tempting to tie you to that. Yeah, it would have been a bit visible though. Yeah, it was it was a bit public, but it was it was strongly tempting. Yeah. So other kinds of structures on the beach. We actually tied to a goalpost in the middle of the night oh, yeah. on a beach one time. That was very good. That was a bit random. Uh, all of the photos we've. For some reason, we've tied on beaches quite a lot, maybe because we live in Thailand and there's a lot of beaches. I think it helps. Um, And so I'll put in the links to the show notes um, a number of the different uh, photos that we've taken so people can get an idea of of the variety of things you can do. Mm -hmm. You can definitely do some nice hashiras at the beach as well. You often find posts, trees, things you can hashira to. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And we have an episode on hashiras, right? We do have an episode on hashira, yes, I will put in the show notes. Uh, and then the last element, I would say, which is relevant to rope scenes at the beach, is the water itself. I think that's quite relevant. So how <laughs> might we use the water? Uh, we could tie in the water. Okay. And in which case, our model and our rope are going to get wet and probably our rigor as well. Let's be, let's face it. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about a bit later in the episode about um, what that's going to do to have this uh, wetness factor. <laughs> we can also play with putting the model under the water at some point in the scene in which case i would say make sure you can get the bottom out of the water again what don't just drop them in and leave them well like don't lose your bottom under the waves and then be unable to find them because that'd be really awkward yeah so i think um the tide is something quite relevant when you uh yeah and in some places with tide uh we start and the waves are like a good 20 meters or like 16 feet away. And an hour later, we've been tying. We haven't really had um, a sense of time passing and the time the tide is coming much, much closer to us. Yeah, rope, rope time can pass very quickly. Um, and so it's definitely worth keeping an eye on that, particularly if you've got your stuff scattered around. You. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or if you're tying on a cliff, and you don't realize that we've tied that cliff is actually going to be under the water yes, yeah. a little while later. Yeah, that can be a bad surprise. Know how far the tide goes up before you tie. That's so probably a good idea. So why are we interested in tying outdoors, folks? Well, for starters, Maya, we like variety in our rope. Yeah. And as much as our studio is amazing, sometimes tying somewhere else is refreshing as well, right? Yeah, yeah. And what kind of things does it give us? Uh, for starters, I find that the outside is very pleasant. There's the wind, there's the smell of the air. There's a whole different sound setting as opposed to tying indoors. We can have the crashing of the waves, which can sound very nice. 
and also, I think in some of our photos, looks quite beautiful when we have the crashing waves uh, next to your tight body. Yep, some of the surf. And bear in mind, listeners, we live in Thailand. And so, you know, a cold day for us is like 25 degrees. Um, Oh, yeah, if it's 25 Celsius, I'm wearing a sweater. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I suspect, I mean, having been on the beach in the UK, it's not a lot less warm and nice, but... um, Also, don't the pebbles hurt? Yeah, yeah, basically. (laughs) Uh, yeah, but I, I would include myself in the people that find the sea relaxing. Uh, make sure that's the case for your partner because some people might just not like the sea or be afraid of the sea. Yeah, that's they might have anxiety thing. around it, definitely. Yeah. I think beach rope tends to uh, lead to quite beautiful photos, personally. Yeah, it can give very nice uh, memories in the photos, definitely. And there's so much more space and horizon and it's very beautiful. Also, there's this naughty or exciting element to doing rope in what's a semi-public place. Okay. And we need to be sensible about the kind of scene that we're doing. So depending on where you live, depending on the the type of beach that you're tying on, depending on the time of day, who's on the the beach, um, we might make some recommendations there. Yeah, I think, first of all, inform yourself on the legal aspect wherever you happen to be tying and if you're on on vacation in a country that's not your own country it would be smart to check first uh, what the legislation here is in that place and even if legally it's allowed i think we owe it to other people as rope people to just not rub things in strangers face in a way they didn't ask for so if it's a family beach with a lot of children, I would definitely be very careful about what kind of rope I do. Personally, I wouldn't do anything sexual. I wouldn't do SM type activities. I would try to keep it fairly PG, whatever. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. We really love making this podcast and sharing it with you. But your support can really help us pay for the hosting, the equipment and other critical costs. So if you like this podcast and you want to support us, you can do so at ropepodcast.com. You'll find ways to buy rope tutorials and gear, so we get a small commission from your purchase at no extra cost to you. In addition, you could also donate to us directly on our Patreon, either as a one-off amount or monthly support that can be as little as the price of a cup of coffee. If you can't afford to do that, that's okay. Just enjoy the podcast and maybe tell a kinky friend or two about it. Now back to today's episode. And there's also some ways that you can improve um, your chance of a positive reaction from the public if you are doing it somewhere where there's people coming by. So uh, for whatever reason, people are a lot more accepting when people are doing, uh, in inverted commas, artistic things yeah. uh, than they are um, other things. So if you have like very visible photographic equipment, um, that can be a way of saying, oh, no, we're taking photos. This is a shoot. We're doing an art project. Like there's lots of language that you can use around it in that sense. I think it's a lot more palatable for uh, passerbys when it does look like an art project because otherwise they see this activity they've never seen before and in their head they're trying to understand why what they're looking at and they might think, oh, is this person being attacked in some way? Is it is this some kind of sexual game? And they might be very uncomfortable with not knowing exactly what they're looking at. Yeah. Whereas when you got the tripods out, when you got the lights out, if you have 
a friend holding a camera while you're tying with your partner, that makes it a lot more readable for them. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. Uh, and as well in your dealings with authorities, if someone comes up to you and asks what you're doing, you've got a pretty good answer ready to go if you've got all your photo material out. Yeah, definitely. And we had a great tip from uh, Zero G um, when she and her team were interviewed in episodes 73 and 72 because um, we talked a lot about doing rope in public mm-hmm. um, in the New York street shibari They team. definitely do a lot of that. They certainly do. And what she said was um, she always tries to be very verbal and say that she's okay directly to the people rather than having the mm-hmm. rigor or the photographer. Yeah, so she's the her. bottom in that situation. And what she was saying is it's important that the bottom is the person who, ta- who creates the contact with the person from the public who's coming to ask questions because by being the one who's speaking she shows that she's okay she shows that she's consenting to that and she's enjoying it right yeah yeah and watch out for the noise you make as well so while at home you may may make um quite enthusiastic pain or pleasure noises in public um that may uh, give the wrong impression to people or the right impression that you don't want them to have (laughs) yeah it might make them uncomfortable for sure uh, so now that we've uh, said that, why the temptation to tie at the beach? Well, I think one reason is just you're on holiday, you're with your rope partner or rope partners, you've got rope lying around and you're like, well, we're in the beach, we're in a nice place, we want to tie. Yeah, um, and I think it's um, fun to tie, as we said, in new environments. Um, it provides different challenges, different um, interests. It can even bring a new layer to your holiday if like during the daytime you're kind of scouting for potential locations and then at the sun- at sunset, for instance, when the beach is quieter, you come back and then you go to that spot you, you saw earlier. Yeah, and we've tied at all kinds of times of day and night um, in order to use the different environments that we've had in beaches. We've tied on most of the beaches that we've visited. Mm-hmm. In particular... Um, on the islands in Thailand, there's usually a ferry boat that comes in in the morning and leaves again in the afternoon. And so sometimes we wait until the tourists have left with the afternoon ferry and then the beach is a lot quieter. Yeah. So let's talk about the environment um, and the practical aspects because we mentioned sand management. And this is a bit of a personal, as the person who's usually clearing up the sand <laughs> at the other end, this is something which... I'm going to advise you listeners, get everywhere. It no really matter does. what you do, you will be taking the sand home with you as a memento. Yeah, so sand gets on your rope bottom for sure. Sand gets on the rope top as well because usually like kneeling, trying to get access to the places you need to tie. Uh, sand can get on the rope. Almost so certainly. I've observed rope. that different types of rope have sand stick to it more or less. Uh, luckily for us, the, the hemp rope we use doesn't catch too much sand as long as it's dry. Yeah, I'm going to say it catches enough. And it's here's a, a top tip from a bottom. When there's sand on your rope and you put rope on a bottom, particularly in a suspension, it's abrasive. Yeah. So you may choose to do that. That's why they call that. it sandpaper. Yeah, exactly. You may choose to do that or you may choose not to. But either way, be aware that even a few grains of sand in a suspension when you've got your weight on it and you're moving, particularly if you've got transitions. Can make uh, your photos all extra dreamy. Can give you many blisters, yeah. (laughs) So it's especially if you're in a humid environment and it's more sticky, 
um, it's really worth knowing that that can happen. <laughs> Try and get rid of the sand unless you're doing a particularly SM zine before you put it on the bottom. Yeah, so as the top one thing you can do that helps get rid of some of the sand in the rope is gently hit your rope against a tree or against something that doesn't have sand on it to probably shake not the, the bottom out. given um what I mean, we're saying some, about some the do public. like it yeah yeah <laughs> but we're trying to not do sm things remember all right all right all right uh sand's also going to get into your clothing and garments absolutely you're taking it back to your hotel room to the car to your house uh, keep that in mind if your scene includes things like using a blindfold maybe don't put sand in your bottom's eyes if you're using a gag same applies for the mouth so yeah, uh, scent also likes to get into orifices, I'm afraid. Yeah. So if you're planning for a and sexy not a scene, way. not, not in the best of ways, usually. More sandpaper. Uh, so if you're, um, if you're thinking of having a sexy times aspect to your beach scene, maybe that's something you want to think about pretty hard. I feel like sexy times in the water are possible. Sexy times on the beach. I'm less enthused by sexy times on cliffs is a bit better because there's stone. yeah okay anyway or just get a boat and do it on the boat honestly yeah okay so much easier um so you might want to manage your rope bag or your rope kit in a different way than normal you might want to bring um, plastic bags you might want to bring um, bags that close so mm-hmm. that you can kind of um, quarantine for want of a better word or your rope into um, yeah, luckily we have a bit of a fetish for Ziploc bags, Maya. Yeah, we, we use them a lot for um, keeping toys and uh, all kinds of things in. So that's a good way to keep things. Um... Definitely. So that's sand, and then we get to water. Yeah, so what does water do? Water mostly tends to make things wet. Okay. And that includes the rope, sadly. And as a rigger, I am very sad when my rope is wet. And why are you sad when your rope is wet? Um, so first of all, rope getting wet has a tendency to make it tighter, which can be a problem on several levels. It can be a problem because it's going to make the tie on the bottom tighter, which might be unpleasant and or dangerous for the bottom. Yeah, depending on what you've tied and where it's tied. It's also going to make knots tighter and thus harder to untie. And in fact, the only time I have had to use my cutting tool to cut my rope was at a party where it, we were tying outside. And after we'd finished tying, I went back to unrig my hard point and it had rained on top of the upline of the, uh, the hard point. And it was impossible to get that. It rained on, on us as bottoms as well. Just so, just <laughs> to be clear, it rained on you. It rained on me. It rained on the other bottom. It rained. All over. It, it rained on everything, but I, but I managed the... to get everything sorted out, but yeah. not the hard point. The hard point I had um, tied very tight because, you know, hard point. Yeah. And it was impossible to undo, so I actually had to um, cut part of the rope to get that down. Yeah. And what's the tool that I always forget? The the sailor's tool that helps you undo knots? The marlin spike. The marlin spike. You might want your marlin spike as well. And honestly, you might want two cutting tools. If I you're would by highly the recommend it. Because the cutting tool is so critical when tying outdoors and tying in or near water. And it's so easy to lose a cutting tool in that setting. 
I would say definitely bring an extra yeah, one. Yeah. You now have um, a bright orange um, pack for your cutting tool so that you yeah. can see it, which yeah, I it think is very useful. It really useful. helps me spot it, especially when As we play in the dark, we yeah. play at night. It's extremely helpful. Yeah. Um, the other reason why a wet rope makes me sad as a rigger is that getting the rope back to its normal state after it's been wet is a bit of a bastard. Yes, yes. So the few times that we've had wet rope, we've had to dry it uh, under tension, which means mm-hmm. um, usually knotting it between two points in a room. Uh, and it takes up a surprising amount of room, we yeah, find. Yeah. Um, and it takes a long time to get properly dry and you might need to condition your rope again after yes. it's been wet. So depending on the type of rope you're using, you might need to wax it, to burn the fuzzies, whatever. But it's it's a lot of work to get the rope back in condition after it being wet. Unless, I guess, if you're using synthetics. But that's not something we have a lot of experience with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but don't use your best set, probably. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't... I probably would not bring my favorite set of rope to the beach. I would bring like an older kit of rope or like well, my second favorite kit one. Of rope that is, or, which is not as good. But as you like us one. to bring my rope so that it gets like. Yeah, your rope is more resilient. That's why we. Yeah, it's exactly the same as your second set. No, it's black. <laughs> so yeah, making rope wet can lead to a bad time. Yeah. Uh, what about making the rope bottom wet? Uh, well, she might like it or she might not like it or they might like it or not like it, um, depending on the person. The thing I've noticed about rope bottoms is once you tie the limbs, they become a lot worse at swimming. Yes. They tend to sink. Yes. So, um, or fall over. I, I remember yep. when yep. we did that, um, we did a little scene in the shallows, so not even like in deep water, and I just kept falling over. You You really did. Um, uh, turns out the force of the waves crashing into you when you don't have your arms to balance yourself are plenty enough to make you face plant. Yeah. yeah, I believe I did actually. Yeah. Uh, so that's the thing. I would say have someone stay very close to the person in rope at all times if they're in the water. And that person can be the rigger or can be some kind of spotter. But I would be very uncomfortable with a person in rope being in water without someone yeah, within arm's a, length of them. Don't go a long way to take a photo. Yeah, that that's asking for trouble. And honestly, waves can surprise you with how strong they can be. And if a person is tied up and gets dragged out to sea, then they're in a pickle. Yeah, yeah. So be really careful of the tide. Um, we've talked about that. Um, be careful of where you leave your stuff, both from a tide perspective and also in case it gets stolen. Yeah, um, sadly, in a lot of places, you have people at the beach who like to prey upon tourists and steal bags and stuff like that. And so if your expensive toys bag got stolen, you would probably have a pretty bad day. Yeah. And also in terms of water, depending on the temperature um, of the sea and the temperature of the air, be aware that your bottom may get very cold. Or very hot. And that's the thing, I think, with uh, tying at the beach. You have to realize that when you're tied up, usually you can't move very much. And that means you can't seek shade. You can't um, warm yourself up if you're getting cold. You might be exposed to the sun. Like yeah. Extreme temperatures both directions are really something you need to take so weather, into consideration. So um, weather is definitely something that we, we mm. want to take account of so so if you've got skin like me which is very very pale i burn really fast 
Um, you so do. Yeah. And so it's very easy for me to burn if we're tying in the sun. In fact, there are times when I have to say I just can't tie in the direct sun. Whereas you love the sun. I do um, like the sun very much. And yes. you, it takes a while for you to burn. And surfaces get hot as well. So if you have um, beaners lying mm. around um, and you put oh, it on the floor. Oh, even direct sun, yeah. Yeah, and cooking. then you pick it up, then you may find yourself unpleasantly burned. You might do an involuntary branding scene. And you also need to make sure you're drinking enough water. So definitely a few of the scenes that we've done, you've had to feed me water while yeah. I've been in suspension. Dehydration Otherwise... is a silent killer, Maya. <laughs> okay. Well, let's not have any killers and just make sure we have enough to drink. Yeah. Uh, you might have rain. Um, we have had rain, but it's not such a big deal. I think wind can be more of a challenge. Uh, wind, strong winds can be quite challenging if they throw sand in your face, uh, if your rope starts like flopping around, or in some cases if it's, it starts dropping um, coconuts, yes. or in Thailand, bell fruit, which is a fruit that's famous for denting cars when it falls on them. Yeah, so definitely here we have stuff falling from the sky. Yeah, so we, we want to be careful about our overhead situation if it's windy. So we've talked a bit about the practical aspects. I was of... almost killed by a squirrel once like that. A squirrel? Yeah, that fell out of a very tall tree directly on top of my head. A squirrel fell on your head? Yeah. Why? That's Where a really you? good question. I, I guess it like missed a branch and slipped and it fell on my head. At Squirrels the beach. don't fall down. Usually they don't, but I promise you this one Maybe really did. Maybe I really like your head. I, I've got a pretty nice head. Uh, yeah, was it anyway, okay? Was the squirrel okay? Uh, it was zigzagging quite a bit when it <laughs> ran away. I think it was very stunned. And I was very surprised. <laughs> okay. So talking of squirrels, audience, um, <laughs> we've, we've talked a bit about this. So um, one thing we haven't talked about so far is um, privacy, your privacy. Yeah. yeah. People nowadays tend to carry cell phones everywhere and yes, pull them out very easily and snap photos of whatever without asking you permission first. So if Especially if they think you're doing an artistic project. Yeah, okay, to be fair. Uh, they might think it's super okay to take a snap of you doing rope with your partners and then put that on Facebook or Twitter or whatever young your people do these days. <laughs> and then you can potentially get in trouble. So if you're not out as a rope person you might want to be wearing some kind of like bandana or face mask or something that hides your face a bit. Yeah, uh, we tend to tie with bandanas so that we A, protect ourselves from the sun because mm -hmm. actually it's a good way to yeah, do that. Yeah, it's very useful for uh, that. And B, if someone does take a photo, we're less visible. Uh, definitely. Uh, on the flip side of that, if you are okay with being out and talking about rope with people, sometimes by tying on the beach... You get some interested passerbys that come by later and ask you questions about rope. And that's, for some people, it's actually a way they discover shibari for the first time. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then another practical aspect is tying at night. So we've mm -hmm. tied at night um, quite a lot of times, actually. Yep. Uh, once because we were on a beach in an area where we didn't feel, we didn't really want people to see. Yep. Um, and so we waited until midnight, one o'clock when everyone was asleep. And then we snuck out and tied on the goalposts. Naughty. Um, well, we didn't want to upset people. That's true. So we, we felt that was better. We were... Opposite a religious institution. Is oh, yeah. I remember. Um, and then we've also tied in the dark um, on the beach, um, where I think the only time you turn the light on was for the photo. 
Yeah, that's the time we did a full suspension in absolute pitch darkness. I, I couldn't see my fingers in front of my face. Yeah. And you loved it. It was absolutely terrifying. And it was in, in full inversion. Again, I'll put the photos. It's the red. There's a red dress, I think, in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was really scary. Uh, so that's something that you can do, but you obviously need to be a fairly competent rigger. And also I would strongly suggest you know your partner extremely well. So we've been tying together a long time. Fox knows um, what I can and can't do or what I have more trouble with. And you so, can do anything, sweet. No, um, definitely, definitely not. Um, and so we did quite a tough suspension, but one that I could do. However, even on that one, <laughs> we had I had a problem and I was saying I'm really struggling and it turned out there was an upline caught in the waistline, right? Mm-hmm. And we didn't know because we didn't have the thing on and you didn't f- find it until quite late. And had that been out, it would have been a more comfortable suspension for sure. After that, it was a lot easier. Yeah, but that's part of the fun. Part of your fun. <laughs> All right. So now that we've decided we want to do rope on a beach, how are we going to prepare for it, Maya? So we're going to do probably a bit more prep than normal. So we've talked about the extra cutting tool. Yeah. Uh, We usually take, um, what do you call them? The diving bags. I call them dry bags, but depending on the region of the world, you might know them by a different name. And they are uh, rather thick rubber bags that roll up at the top to be airtight and watertight. Yeah. So you can take them um, and keep stuff waterproof. Don't, um, as I mistakenly did, put wet things in them thinking that yeah. they're designed to protect things from the wet that way as well because then your partner will get really mad at you yeah yeah sir is not happy when you do that yeah. because it's really a pain in the neck to get the moisture out of them they really definitely it was a good lesson in communication <laughs> children <laughs> Uh, so you said you wanted to put mats or towels down right towels mats extra towels many extra towels yeah uh, but bear in mind, there's going to get sand on those. A dry mat or a dry towel is going to get less sand on it than a wet yeah. towel. So I would suggest if you're going to get wet in the sea as well, you bring extra towels for that so that you don't mix them up. Yeah. Uh, yoga mats are also pretty good for that use. Yeah, but they're a bit small, so you might need several. Hmm. Uh, change your clothes you might need, uh, depending on what you're tying in. Um, I don't like tying in a bikini. Um, I just don't feel comfortable. So I usually have a loose dress over a bikini um, or over bikini bottoms anyway. Sunscreen? Sunscreen is mosquito so repellent. important. Yeah, depending on the region, mosquito repellent and Always. sunscreen, definitely top of the list. Yeah. Um, so, rigor trick. When you're using trees for a suspension, sometimes yes. you have to throw the rope over some quite tall branches to get your hard point going. And then when you're finished, you're like, oh, my rope is tied on this very high branch and it might be difficult to get it off again. So some kind of telescopic stick or just finding a long stick somewhere along the beach could make it a lot easier to get that rope undone at the end. Okay, good tip, good tip. Yeah, born of experience, Maya. Yes, yes, I've seen you searching for branches as I've been in a rope puddle on the uh, mat <laughs> absolutely uh so yeah you mentioned uh mosquito spray or just insect repellent in general depending on your local fauna yeah and then bite care so yeah. when you do get bitten as you inevitably will or something to put on your bites afterwards mm. in thailand we like that green 
uh, monkey bomb. bomb thing. I like monkey bomb. Yeah, Mon- you like There's monkey also bomb. tiger bomb. I like yamong, which is um, a Thai thing, which is a green um, balmy thing. But some kind of, yeah, some kind of soothing balm to put yeah. on your insect bites. Probably a good idea. Sea shoes. So depending, shoes on, what so good. depending on what you're um, tying on. Mm-hmm. If you're tying on uh, sharp rocks. So we tied on some sharp rocks and you kept your shoes on and I didn't for some reason. Yeah, I feel that sometimes the bottom gets the rough end of the deal on yes. those. Yeah. Um, sting suits, if you are tying in a jellyfish area. So you've yeah. had some rather unpleasant experiences with jellyfish. I have had a fairly serious uh, jellyfish sting and one time is enough. So now when I go into the sea, I wear a sting suit. Yeah, uh, I understand that. <laughs> Having seen the scars. Um, and then uh, wet wipes, very useful. Yes, um, definitely, because personally, I hate the sensation of having sand and salt stuck to my skin for a long time. And not all beaches have a shower area where you can rinse off. So the second best, the next best thing would be to use some wet wipes to refresh myself. Yeah. And any kind of a first aid kit is probably a useful thing, depending on the kind of things that you might find in your area. Yeah. I would say check what kind of biome you're in and bring like vinegar if there's jellyfish, bring whatever you will need, um, depending on your local hazards. Yeah. Uh, Urchins might be a thing. So tweezers to get. Yeah. Yeah. That's a thing in some places. You've never mentioned that before. Well, surprise. <laughs> um, and a garbage bag, a, a trash bag and gloves, rubbish bag, um, so that you can clean up the area. That might be before you play. Like sometimes you might want to remove some of the sharper shells. Or, or, just, even, or just the actual garbage, sadly. A lot of places are beautiful, but you don't want a ton of trash. garbage and trash in your photograph. You know what would have been good? A tiny... Uh, like a dustpan and brush mm-hmm. for that rocks that we tied on because sweeping away the very sharp bits okay, of shell would have been i've just thought of that now yeah and honestly if you remove a bunch of trash from the beach that's also a nice thing yeah. to do in general yeah so. that's a good thing to give back yeah um one of the biggest challenges for me at the beach is is nature you have a thing with nature a bit i right? am frightened of most things but in particular any kind of insect type things I'm yeah very... but not only <laughs> You're also only. afraid of dogs, of jellyfish, of crabs, of sharp shells, of corals, yep. of bits of glass. Now urchins. Now I'm urchins. urchins. Yeah, we can add urchins to that yep. list now. Yeah, yeah. Loud, yeah, loud birds. I'm scared of every thunder and lightning. Remember yeah. when we tied and there was that storm coming over the sea? Um, oh, yeah. And the wind started up. And oh, I was definitely. thinking that we were going to get killed by. But we didn't. Otherwise, we wouldn't be recording this podcast. I mean, there's quite, for me, there's a lot of fear play, honestly, in tying in nature. Um, And, you know, that's something that we can build into our dynamic, but it is something that you have to manage. And as the rigger, Fox has to be more on top of looking out for that kind of thing. Because honestly, if an ant or if some kind of insects got on me and I can't see them, I'm probably going to have a panic attack. Yeah. Yeah. Because I have a phobia. So it's not a, it's a phobia. It's like not something I can do a lot about. And so he has to be much more on top of if that's happening. Otherwise the scene's going to end before. Hmm. But it's definitely worth it tying at the beach, right? Yeah. We have enjoyed it a lot. And we've had some beautiful photos, which really remind us of not just that 
tying experience but the whole holiday and mm. that's something that I think is really beautiful it gives you memories of a, a different aspect of your life gives you a great excuse to put your holiday pictures on FetLife no <laughs> Yeah, okay. Um, and we would love to see if you listeners have your own um, beach photos. Um, and so if you do, then put them in the comments. Uh, yeah, if, if you've done some beach rope yourself, please uh, come and link your uh, beach rope photos in the comments for the writing of this episode. And we'd love to uh, to see what you've done. So that's all from us at The Rope Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from and come friend us on our FetLife page, which is Rope Podcast. You can also find all the ways to support us on our website, ropepodcast.com. And in particular, please consider donating on our Patreon so we can make more nice episodes just like this one. And we also love questions from listeners. So drop us a message on Fet and we'll try and answer you in an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying.